1: So we have been walking this whole month, really since the last week of, S- of July, through um, talking about what it means to live missionally. We call this place a missional c- uh, community, and the reason is that we are as much mission as we are um, evangelism or worship or, um, or any of the other things that you sort of attribute to church, we are, or really it's not evangelism, but worship and discipleship, was kind of those three things, those are our three circles. Worship, discipleship, and missions. It's a part of what we do, it's, but it kind of undergirds everything we do, and we've just been reminding ourselves of who we are this month. Um, we learned from Maggie Freitag when she gave us her testimony the last week of July that, um, that, that w- sh- she talked about <coughs> what it means to live sent, to, to live missionally in our homes, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, at work, when it's easy, when it's difficult, and then uh, the f- this, this next week, Chris used Matthew's call story um, to, to talk about how to follow Jesus, um, to walk with Jesus out into the world. And so he gave us some thesis points, and I wanna just walk through these with you because we're building a list of what it means to be a missional community. So it starts with to, to be a missional or New Testament community is to live sent by actively seeking God's invitation into countercultural community and into the world of relational healing, so that our world may experience kingdom transformation. And then Chris sort of unpacked that by giving us some other points. Missional community is an active work of reconciliation. Missional communities recognize that the sinfulness of the human condition is deeper than we naturally think. You can't just get over it, okay? <laughs> Missional community is often a messy and misunderstood form of countercultural community. I want you to say amen if you are not you are messy, but somebody sitting near you is messy, or you've <laughs> experienced the messiness of being in community together. Missional communities call us to simultaneously seek our own healing and, in the process, to be part of God's healing work in the lives of others because we're messy. And then last week, through Zacharias' story, we learned that missional communities treasure the work of provenient grace. Missional communities seek out and invite in those who are lost, and missional communities welcome and advance the kingdom of God. And in all those stories, even Maggie's story and and, Matthew's story and Zacchaeus' story, we're weaving our own stories, the missional projects that we've begun through the Mosaic Center, and so we've heard from Um, Folks who lead GED tutoring and women of worth And we heard from uh, the folks who are down at the Maxwell House Through the pantry and and Veronica and all of that All of those things that help us to walk with Jesus out into the world And today we're going to talk about how prayer fits into the missional equation And this is our statement that we're going to explore Missional communities pray in plurals if, you take, if you're taking notes, that's a good one to start with for this Sunday, missional communities, pray in plurals. The best way to engage the message is always with something to write on, something to write with and your Bible, in your hand, just so you can uh, catch everything as it, as it comes at you and as the Lord speaks. But this one is about, we pray in plurals in, in a couple of different ways. We pray together, but we also pray for things that are larger than ourselves. Um, To be missional in your mindset, in your spirit, is to learn how, when we pray, to get beyond the tick list of personal needs to the place where we become aware of and ultimately in tune with God's work in the world. So how do we get God's heart for the whole, for our own community at Mosaic and for the city as a whole, for the whole mission he has given us? I think that begins, getting God's heart begins and really is fed by the place of prayer. It's an ongoing work. And today I have, want to have a conversation with someone who's been pouring prayer over our city in intentional and at times uh, really strategic way for decades, for decades. Now I know that for the last couple of weeks I have been pumping for you guys that it was gonna be two people we'd be having a panel discussion with. It was Chris Jones with the Father's Heart, uh, uh, the The father's house, excuse me, the father's house church. He, Chris is also the director of Augusta Rescue Mission, and he has this very cool ministry that, or vision for, for uh, prayer ministry for the city, and it's called the Augusta Prayer Furnace. He th- he has this vision for these hot spots of prayer all over the city, and he hopes that Mosaic will be one of those hot spots, and I hope that Mosaic is one of those hot spots so we wanted Chris to come because he's really kind of the a, a, a next generation. He's younger and he's the next generation of, of prayer, a passion for prayer over the whole city. But unfortunately, um, and we're so sad to be able to, to have to say that Chris's um, father-in-law passed away. And so he, his wife, and his whole family are driving to Texas this morning. They left at 4.30 this morning to get to Texas so that um, his wife, Priscilla, could, um, could you know, do all of the plans and all the things that you have to do uh, when, you, when you experience such a deep loss. So our hearts grieve for him, and I wanna ask just before, we, before I move on and invite who we have with us, if you just bow your head and let's just pray for Chris and his family. Lord Jesus, I do pray for Chris and Priscilla, their children, um, right now, they're, they're, they're in a car, and I'm just praying, God, that your heart would be for them, and that your hand would be over them, that you would keep them safe, Lord. I pray that you would pour out over them every, f- every, every spiritual and physical blessing. I pray that you would give it to them, Lord, even as their hearts are broken, that you would give it to them to grieve well, and that everything that they need, every provision would be there for them. Uh, when they get to Texas and begin the the plan. I pray especially for your hand over Priscilla, Lord, that you bless her um, as she takes on this responsibility. Just give her grace, God, and wisdom, strength. Lord, if you would do that, we would be so grateful. Would you bind our hearts to theirs, Jesus? Not just in this time and in this moment, but for good. Bind our hearts with theirs, in Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen. So there were two people who were coming and the other one is here. Um, and uh, so Bob Garrett is with the Alleluia community. I wonder just by a show of hands if you know the Alleluia community or have heard of it. Yeah, there, there are quite a few of you ha- who actually haven't. I wanted to say a little bit about, um, about the Alleluia community. He'll say more, but it's an ecumenical. Ecumenical means um, uh, multi, Multi-denominational, thank you. <laughs> I tried so many other ways to say that. <laughs> ecumenical means multi-denominational. It means finding points of, of connection and unity among denominations. So he's part, he's part of it. The Alleluia community is an ecumenical, charismatic community in South Augusta. It's an, in, it's an intentional community. They live together in houses like neighborhoods. It looks like neighborhoods. It doesn't look like a commune. It looks like a neighborhood. But, they, but they're intentional community. Um, more than 200 households helping one another to live lives that glorify God through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. They pray together and they do discipleship together and they they do life together. They belong to their own churches. Everybody goes out into their own churches um, uh, to to be part of, but this community is where they really anchor and um, they live in covenant together. And so Bob has been part of this community since 1976. It started in 1973, and that gives him a very unique perspective on community, ecumenism, spirituality and discipleship. And he has such a heart for our city. He has been one of the leaders in a monthly prayer gathering that's been happening since Deke Copenhaver was mayor. And he's going to tell you <coughs> excuse me, about other things, I got <coughs> I yelled a lot during worship. I think that's what happens to my voice a lot more than I give it credit for. It's just just allergies. Nah, you just yell a lot during worship. Um, So, so um, he's going to talk about the ways that this community has intentionally, strategically prayed over their neighborhood, prayed over the city. And so, will you welcome Bob into this conversation? Scoot us up, Bob. There you go <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves <laughs> we don 't usually do this, and so if you 're here for the first time, this is just sort of a different thing for us, but i didn't feel like I, I literally did not feel like I was the person with authority to speak on what it means to pray over your city. Bob and I have both talked i my my heart, my whole brain always goes global, I am always thinking about the whole world, and, and not so much about the place I am planted in, but the Lord has really spoken to me this year about, about planting and rooting myself here until the call is elsewhere, to really plant and root myself, and that's what I love about the Alleluia community is that you guys have permanently planted, rooted yourselves in the Augusta area. Uh, intention- drove here came here right yeah. so tell us a little bit about a, a little bit about the history of the community and your history with it
0: all right well the uh, uh, by the way you can do both you can have global and local that's at right. the same time
1: i'm figuring that so out that, that's yeah. possible
0: and uh, well the community g- uh, began in 1973 and if you you probably most of you aren't old enough to remember that but that was the weekend of the largest snowstorm that augusta has ever had still the largest yeah and uh, the 12 people, they were, they were coordinators of a, a prayer meeting, a public prayer meeting. And they felt the Holy Spirit calling them into community together. And they didn't really even understand what that meant. But as they began to look around town for neighborhoods or places where they could live, they uh, ultimately came across uh, Faith Village, which is where we live now. And one of the, one of the brothers in that 12 had a vision of a cross on a hill, a big lighted cross on the hill. And uh, they looked all over the place and finally they drove through the neighborhood and they saw at the convent of St. Helena's in South Augusta, if you know about that, they had about a 50 or more, f- or hu- huge cross, at least 50 feet tall, it was on a hill and you could see it clearly from Faith Village where it <laughs> ended up being Faith Village. And so they knew that God was saying live there. Well, wow. it's a good thing they had a sign because nobody in their right mind would live in South Augusta in and that neighborhood at that time.
1: That that's is exactly right. I mean, the 70s in Augusta, if you've been, if you're an old Augusta person, you'll know that some of, there was severe racial tensions and, yeah. and, 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 and a lot of division in Augusta itself, in Richmond County, so South Augusta and, and then West Augusta yeah. were just deeply divided. Yep. So not the place, it's not Miami Beach, that's yeah, for sure. That's right well yeah.
0: and and i understand a lot of people like her wouldn't yeah. come across the gordon highway south of the gordon highway right i mean that was a that was a, well known that you wouldn't do that but we did that i moved there from texas i moved over from san from san antonio in 76 because the holy spirit said to do that and honestly it was a clear word uh had it confirmed a num- number of times and I did not like it over here, <laughs> I didn't like the neighborhood, it was an interruption in my plans for my life, the whole, it was a big mess around for me with God, He was messing with me. <laughs> and, uh, so any rate, I did come and uh, my wife came and uh, a, 10 other people from San Antonio moved over at the same time. And we've been there doing an intentional effort to, uh, well, live an Acts 242 community. You know that's where the the original first community, when the Christians began to get together, and then at 4:32 Acts 4:32, you can hear uh, the description of it. So those uh, those two verses meant a lot to us, and we tried to love one another the way the early Christians loved one another, even though we were divided by our churches. Right. And and we found out, guess what? It would work. Yeah, that's right. We can work. That's right. And the reason it works is because. We all have a common core in our faith, like mm-hmm. your you, earlier—you had the circles up, you know, the the uh, church logo, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, we we know where that center of that circle is, mm-hmm. and that's where we stay.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we're not we're not trying we're not trying to make everybody the same because we've got Catholics and Methodists, and uh, I don't think we have any Baptists now. But I'm a Vineyard person, and we've well, got Lutherans uh, and maybe Lutherans, yes, yeah. uh, Episcopalians, even. So uh, we got about a dozen. Uh, actually, a new Orthodox member lives in Huntsville right now as a priest, but mm-hmm. uh, he's a Covenant member. Mm-hmm. So um, we, you know, we're we're a very diverse group, racially, economically, and religiously. So mm-hmm. we, but we do know that as the Holy Spirit has uh, revealed to us the way He wants us to live together, we've been able to do it. We have a school that's thirty-five years old now, maybe. Yeah, at least 35 years old. K-12 school. We started it when we just had a handful of people. And we've been able to keep it going mm-hmm. for all these years. Mm-hmm. And graduated, I think we just graduated our 600th student uh, out wow. of Wow, wow. So wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a praise the Lord yeah. for us. Praise God. Because our kids, well, uh, my daughter, Angela, is one of the assistant pastors at uh, the Vineyard. So she's a, an example. Actually, she's an area overseer for Georgia yeah, too. Right. So that's pretty amazing.
1: So, so prayer. Um, when, when you're talking about unity, I mean, one of the things that I think that that I've asked you a lot about this whole concept of Christian unity because we're trying to figure that mm-hmm. figure that out as just as much as anybody is. But it, but it seems like to me that when unity is rooted in holiness, that there are some foundational pieces that have to be in place in order to, you know, in order to move forward in, com- in communion together. But but there are lots of things that holiness can encompass. Absolutely. And, and uh, so how does that work itself out in the place of prayer?
0: Okay. Well, uh, by the way, I, my hat's off to John Wesley. He's a hero of mine because he <laughs> was a real man of holiness yeah, and prayer. Yeah, he was. Oh, he That's was right. He was a real champion for both of those. Yeah. Well, uh, holiness and, and prayer are directly related because God has... Uh, He hears the prayers of righteous people. We know that he does do that. Mm -hmm. Also in Malachi uh, 317 and 18, it speaks of God's people, those who reverence God, getting together and doing what we're doing right now. We're just talking about him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And God is listening in a special way when we do this. You can do this in a, a women's group, a men's group. You can do it in a prayer meeting. You can do it wherever. But we know that God listens specially to those kinds of prayers that are focused on him by people of faith. And he treats those folks differently. He thinks well of them. He remembers their prayers. In fact, I don't know why God would need to write anything down, but he says a scroll of remembrance was written Mm -hmm. of their prayers and Mm -hmm. their conversations. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing right here, right now, is in fact an offering of prayer. So there's lots of dimensions to prayer that we don't think about very often. I used to just go through my long list. Right. But after a while, I realized that, that the Lord was affecting the my effectiveness by my holiness and my unity. And, of course, John seventeen twenty through 23, mm-hmm. that's a good one to look up. It says, that's Jesus' only unanswered prayer in the Bible, where he says, Father, let them be one mm-hmm. so that the world may know that you have sent me.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So... If we're in disunity, like if if uh, here at Mosaic you feel like, well, we've got it, we've got it all together here, and we don't need anybody else. Well, it doesn't work that <laughs> way. It does, nobody can say that. Yeah, that's nobody right. Nobody can say that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we're, you know, we understand that that unity effectively, uh, or disunity affects our, our ability to evangelize. It cripples it. So our unity. Yeah. Enhances our ability to evangelize. Right. So right. I don't know. We don't know how that works, but it really does work. We've yeah. seen it work in our part of town. Yeah. I mean, we know that it, that works. So yeah. just being in unity and being uh, uh, pursuing a life of holiness opens up other people to hear the credible witness of Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. accept Him as Lord and Savior.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. And just a few verses before that, in in the same chapter of John. Jesus says, "Lord, I'm I'm praying for the ones you give me. I'm not praying for the whole world, but for the ones you've given me, for they are yours." And that sets me free. That <laughs> I love that he says that because you know we're you're you're praying for as much input as we get every day for all the things that are going wrong with the world. you know, Every war and, and, and global warming and uh, all the political stuff and ev- everything, it can be overwhelming and we begin to feel like our prayers are, it's, it's too, where do I even start? So Jesus says, I'm not praying for the whole world, I'm just praying for the ones you gave me and if Jesus is even saying that, then I certainly can, can understand from that or learn the lesson from that that everybody's given an assignment we we have an assignment and when we understand our assignment or we did we turn off here yeah there we go it just it just hit, hit something yeah okay. um so so uh when, when we have an assignment we can lean into that assignment and even be unified with others who have the same assignment right
0: yeah, absolutely i mean i know that god has everybody in this room has what she's talking about an yeah. assignment um a specific gift that he wants to give you for you to be able to fit into the big picture puzzle he's doing here. Right. So that everything is covered. Yes. He wants to make sure that everything is covered. And the easiest way to think about that is that you we all have to be able to learn to see what the father is doing.
1: Yeah. Now,
0: Jesus said I only do the things I see my Father doing. Now, that right. is a very powerful statement right. when you think about the Lord himself. Right. See, and that's how he prayed. He looked for what the Father was doing. Well, I'm telling you that everyone in this room here can look and see what the Father's doing. Yeah, That's a gift of discernment. He right. will give it to you. You've already got it. You might not understand what it is, but as you begin to develop that, you'll be able to see what the Father's doing and then both pray and act accordingly. That's good. So
1: an assignment, just for, if you're taking notes and you're, you never heard that before, it's call is what it is. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a specific assignment, a thing. You've been like when you went to school, a thing you had to go home and do. Um, it, is, it is the thing that gives God glory or pleasure that he has placed in your heart as a passion. It is the thing that gives God glory and pleasure that he has placed in your heart as a passion. That's your assignment. You might miss it. But like Bob said, it's there. It's definitely there. It's there, there. yeah. So there's another prayer Jesus prays, and this one is over his own city. He cries out one day over Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 23, He, he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing and I just—you can hear the anguish of Jesus. His heart is breaking. Jerusalem was Jesus' city, and his heart is breaking over his city. So, talk to me a little bit about what that means—to really let God break your heart for your own city.
0: Well, everybody has a preference about what you choose, mm-hmm. you know, of anything—prayer, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But Ecclesiastes three one through twelve teaches us there's a time for everything. Right. Everything, yeah, and that's what we all need to know. That I think the Holy Spirit is the timekeeper. Mm. He knows which like where that. you should be in, in at any given time. Uh-huh. And then learning uh, how to uh, accept this passionate heart. Jesus had a passionate heart. You could tell. And this this is probably the most passionate we hear him right. because he wept yeah. there, wept right. over the city of Jerusalem. Right now, I'll, I'll also say that was a prophecy as well. Because in the, in the next verse says they were desolate. The, you know, they were, I forget exactly how it says like it, but sheep the, a they were sheep w- without a shepherd. Yeah. But at 70 years later, uh, Vespasian and Titus, the Roman uh, generals, came in and leveled uh, Jerusalem and they took captive 200,000 and they killed a, over a million Jews at that time. Yeah. And yeah. no Christian got harmed. Wow. There's a historians of that area of that era, write about it, and they say they don't understand how that worked, but there were no Christians. So God protected his, fa- his family. His people. His people. Mm-hmm. And yet those who would not accept Jesus, he just said, okay, you can have it your way, mm-hmm. and that wasn't a good way to go. Wow. So we have to bring that message to the world, yeah. that it is more than just a nice thing to do to pray for other people. It might be a life and death matter for them. Right. So we we're, we're involved in every aspect of the of the uh, of the prayers.
1: That's that's. that's so uh, I hope that helps you <laughs> to really feel the both the power and the urgency of praying for your own city. Pray for your own city. Yep. This is what this is from an Old Testament passage back in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. He says um, he he tells them. Don't, the, the, the people of Israel at that time, they'd been um, exiled to Babylon. And God says, I, I get it that you're in exile, but you need to make the most of this moment. Don't, don't cloister yourselves, but lean in. He says, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. And then listen to this. See the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried, excuse me, seek. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so we learn that missional communities seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which they belong.
0: Peace, prosperity, and transformation yeah that's another one because in our in our we're a living witness of that power of that transformation Mm -hmm. now our part of town was like i said the worst you could possibly live in in augusta Mm -hmm. it is completely reversed now we have the low in our part whole part of town we have the lowest crime area in our neighborhood we have the highest property values it's the nicest looking neighborhood plus you've heard of blight you know neighborhood blight where it just gets worse and worse. Well, we are experiencing reverse blight. Our goodness <laughs> is spreading out, and it's, it actually has transformed another neighborhood that was as bad or worse as, than ours, the Lyman Dover neighborhood. And the city even got involved in that and gave ten million, I mean $5 million to redo the rent infrastructure and got all the housing community uh, housing wow. organizations going wow. now the place is full of new houses and a, it was a Baptist minister who we, we meet uh, mm-hmm. once a month for for prayer and for lunch but the Baptist minister had a vision kind of uncommon for a Baptist to have a bad vision but he had one <laughs> he, and it was of that neighborhood which is across the street from his church as he could look out over this neighborhood in this terrible place yeah. and he had a vision of new homes with green lawns and children playing on the yards and now, twenty years later, that is a living reality.
1: Wow. Wow. And and, and, and it wasn't just money and a vision. It was it was prayer, it was a lot of tread, a lot of, a lot of foot a lot of tread. Hard work. So of t- talk about talk about how you guys have walked the neighborhoods oh. and how you pray. Oh my gosh. It's it's listen to this guys.
0: We we've been well the Holy Spirit told us forty three years ago I want you to start a prayer watch it was what he called it so we we began to work on what that meant and it meant that he wanted us on duty one at least one person sometimes more two or three on duty every hour of every day in prayer and we developed this a book booklet of prayers now you have to pray them you can't just read them you just you know you have there's a difference between those two things you know but but every hour for on the hour 24 hours a day for 43 years, we've been keeping that in, in place. We drive around the neighborhood at night, and we pray all day long. So that's 370,000 hours, I think, for, for 43 hours, 43 <laughs> That's just years. for one person. When there's and that's more just than one p- person. If we yeah. did, if you talked about two or three on there, it would be up probably close to three-quarters of a million hours we put in and physically put in on praying. So that's, what, that's the, the thing I've learned about that is that God honors persistence. Yes. He really honor. If you will get into something yes. and hang on to it, it might take a while, but don't be discouraged because right. that is where the real power lies, is after everybody is tired of doing it, then, and you're still doing it, He answers your prayers.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. so the last one standing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you want to hang in there. Well, our,
0: our, our pro-life ministry spent... I don't know, I didn't even try to calculate the number of hours we've spent down in front of the Planned Parenthood downtown, but eventually it closed, and right. it was one of the biggest ones in this, on the East Coast. So, wow. Wow. And that's a direct, I mean, all we were doing was down there praying.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you can't talk about prayer without doing prayer, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to do some prayer. Will you thank Bob for just sharing with us right now? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And now we're gonna pray. So I'm gonna ask you, if you will, stand up. And um, you know what we're about to do if you've ever done prayer triangles before, but if you haven't, let me explain how this works. Um, we're in just a minute, in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you to find one or two other people, usually two, two is better, two or three, no more than three other people. So, f- so no more than three or three or four people total. Prayer triangle or prayer square, there you go. Um, and you're just going to get with them. And then I'm going to walk you through uh, three areas of prayer for our city, for our for our community. And we're going to pray together. And we're just going to begin the act of praying together. Now, I know that there, I'm, I'm telling you what we're about to do. And there are some people in this room who are like, oh, look at the time. Got to run. I think somebody... <laughs> Here's what I want you to do, I want you, if this does not sound good for you, if this just does not sound like your thing, then when I ask everybody to move, all you have to do is just sit down, just sit down right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, get into a posture of prayer, and the rest of us will assume you're being very spiritual right now, (laughs) you're just, you are letting the Lord deal with you, and it may be that even if you are a person of prayer, that you're letting the Lord deal with you, and that's okay um and so whatever feels comfortable for you but I to to the extent that you're able to let the Lord uh, challenge you a little bit what I want to ask you to do right now is to get into a prayer triangle with two or three other people no more than two or three and uh, then I'll tell you what to do next or or be seated if that's what you need to do go ahead get outside your chairs get outside your chairs move around the space a little bit When you find your spot, when you find your people, please uh, in, give, your, give, your, give your first name, just your first name. That's all you need to do. just share each other's first name. That's great. And you can um you, you can you can hold hands or not hold hands. I think that would feel awkward to me for a long period of time, but do whatever feels right for you. And once you've found each other. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Here's where we're going to start. And it'll be up on the screen. I'm just going to walk you through some areas of prayer. Let's begin, let's start right now by praying for our schools, public places like parks, any place where children gather, that these places will be havens of peace, healing, and goodness for children. So pray for school names by... Name If you are working in a school, pray for those school names by name. You don't have to just pray generically. If you have a park in your neighborhood, pray for that park by name. If you have a neighborhood that you're thinking about or an after-school group that you're part of, pray for it by name. Go. And now I want to ask you to pray for God to shape and send leaders into our city who have a kingdom vision for serving Jesus as they serve our city. We're not praying for God to turn this into a Christian city. We're asking for Christians to be raised up to lead the city according to values that reflect the kingdom. So begin to pray for God to raise up leaders. And if you know of a leader in the city, by name, pray for them. Go. And now I want to begin to pray that God will raise up kingdom partnerships with organizations in our community who are working toward the same goals. We want to be unified with all those who have the same goals as us and I sense that God is doing this work among us with Easter Seals and the Center for New Beginnings and and now the Alleluia community and the Father's house and and, um, they're, they're, and, and leadership Columbia County, God is using us to network people together who carry the same values we carry, and so I want to ask you to pray that God would bring other partnerships into our community, and bring us into other people's community. Begin to pray that together, just specifically for partnerships. Jesus. Now there's one more thing I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you, standing right where you are, sitting right where you are, I want to ask you to look around this room. Just look around at beyond the people that you are with right now. Every person in this room has an assignment. Some of them in this room, some of you in this room, don't know what your assignment is. But God may have that word f- over your life through somebody else in this room. So what I want to ask you to do is to consider: Does God have a word that you need to speak to somebody else in this room? And if so, go find them right now. Go find them and then pray over them. Give them the word and go pray over them. And if 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 God God that God may also have a word of forgiveness that He just wants you to speak over somebody's life, um, either you forgiving them or just seeking their forgiveness or or. Or God may have another word completely that he just wants you to go share with somebody. So I'm asking you, to move, shake it up right now. Move around. Find somebody that, that, that you have a word for and begin to pray over them. Speak over them. Tell them what you see. you're in a space and you're hearing somebody speak over you I want you to stay right where you are if you have a word for somebody I want you to stay right where you are I want everybody to stand this song that we sing this is this is a song of proclamation we stand this is a song of proclamation that we are singing over our city God is the God of this city he is the God of this city if you've got something to say to somebody keep right on doing your spiritual work while the rest of us just proclaim this song over the the city and over ourselves
0: thanks for taking the time to listen to our message if you live in the area and are looking for a church home we'd love to see you visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information may god bless your day